You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning. We're getting ready. We are entering into the Lenten season, and we are going to take a look at what it looks like to experience God. It's based off a study by Henry Blackaby. It's a study that I've done several times over the years, and I think the first time was 20 years ago, and it's really shaped my view of ministry. And it's really the reason why I'm here, and as we go through this series, I'm going to share with you some of the stories that uh, brought me here, and I'll start with the you know, God kind of does a little thing, and then a bigger thing, and then a bigger thing, and a bigger thing, and and I'll I'll start with the little stories, and then lead you on through um, some of the bigger stories. Share those with you, um, but to experience God, to be in that relationship with Him, and for me to be able to see Him at work, I need to be obedient to Him, and th- and that's why I came to Missoula. We took a survey of our folks uh, some weeks back, and uh, let's take a look at this slide. That slide, yep, perfect. And we asked people, how, how are you experiencing God? Uh, within your Bible study, within your work, social circles, corporate worship, prayer life, personal worship, within your home life, what, what is your sense of what you're experiencing God looks like. And so uh, for, for some folks, they're just starting their relationship with the Lord. And so they, they really haven't seen Him work in all the areas of their life. They're, they're longing for it, but they're not seeing it in some places. And so um, for others, they've been at this for a while, and their sense is, man, I see God at work everywhere I go. And that's exciting. I love the fact that the home life is the number one answer. Like everybody or the majority of our folks are saying, yes, I'm seeing God at work, and the place I see Him at work the most is in my home. And I think we should see that. That's fantastic. A few of the places that where people are seeing it the least is in their Bible study, within their work, within their social circles, within their corporate worship. And so we want to address these things. One of the things that we're going to do is uh, to talk about Bible study in particular we're going to have to talk about that on our Footnotes podcast, so you can look that up on our website, and we record that midweek. It, uh, the Footnotes podcast accompanies what we talk about on Sunday, but then brings in some new conversations too. It lasts uh, typically half hour to 45 minutes, never more than an hour, never more than an hour, no, no. Logan has learned how to speed up our conversations uh, if it does go longer than an hour. So what you hear is never more than an hour, let's say that. <laughs> but we will, we will be talking about how to experience God in our personal study time because that is the voice of God to us. And so we want you to experience God in, the, in those moments. A number of years ago... Uh, I mentioned to my wife, I was tired of watching our girls go to soccer practice and never learn a skill. 
the guy was a fantastic guy. The girls had a lot of fun. They didn't know anything more about soccer when the season was done, though, than when they started. And so I said, I think I could coach better than that guy, and I don't know anything about soccer. Well, my words came back to haunt me, because uh, the next season that came along was basketball. And my boys were signed up for league, and my wife goes to the meeting, and I wasn't there, and they needed a coach, and therefore I got voluntold. <laughs> and being part of the military, I figured that's fair, because in the military, if you don't show up for the meeting, guaranteed you're going to be volunteered for something. And I was. Now, the problem was I had played a ton of basketball. Almost none of it was organized. And so, like, how, how do I coach somebody on how to run plays when I've never run a play myself? And so what I had to do is I had to go to some of my friends and go, hey, coach me up. And I had to add to my own coaching ability in order to coach our basketball team. And the first game that we had, it was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. Uh, there was two guys on our team that could score. The other three guys were running around, and they didn't know where they were supposed to be. I don't know if they even knew who the opponent was. And, um, and I'm going, this is such a mess. It's so broken. What do I do? And so I found one thing to fix, and we focused on that one thing for that particular game. And the second half, we outscored them just in the second half. I mean, overall, it was still, I think they got tired of scoring, honestly. Um, <laughs> they were that good. But we got, we got just a tad bit better. And it was a focus week after week after week to just learn one new skill and get better at that skill. And by the end of the season, we were actually a very good team. We may have been the best team in the league. Uh, the first team that we played, they since they beat us, they got to claim it. Um, but if we would have played them again, I think we would have held them really close. But our team grew. And I got to thinking about this story because last week Logan shared with us the call to action that as you go, make disciples. We quoted Jesus, as you go, make disciples. The question is, what has our discipleship looked like? What has my discipleship looked like? Have I been discipled enough to go disciple someone? Well, we get our definition of what it means to disciple in uh, Matthew 4.19. And he, he being Jesus, said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so out of this, we get this definition. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, who is changed by Jesus, and who is on mission with Jesus. That was Jesus' call to the, his disciples then. It's his call to us today. And by the way, we don't get to pick one and three, or two and three, or just three. We have to live out the whole definition. We have to follow Jesus. Jesus needs to 
be out in front of this discipleship process. And I, and I think that's fantastic news because when I think about discipleship, it kind of scares me a little bit. But when I know that I get to experience Jesus in the process, it's worth it. It's worth doing. And not only do I get to follow Jesus, but man, I see things in my life that I know that need to be changed. I know they need to be changed by Jesus. Like things that, sins that I just, patterns that I haven't been able to get over. Things that still haunt me. Things that still get in the way. And so I have to be changed by Jesus. And then, you know, sometimes we'll settle for the first two. Like we're really excited to follow Jesus. We love the fact that he changes us. But man, we like having our own agenda. We like managing our own schedule. And so we don't quite get on mission with Jesus. And all of us have varying degrees of discipleship. And there's a couple different ways we could think about this. We'll look at this. You may notice I like graphs and spreadsheets. If you get to know me very long, you'll notice that that's true. But So this is one way. This linear graph is one way to think about discipleship. You know, some of us are starting down here in the bottom left-hand corner. We're just being introduced to the idea of Jesus. Like, we haven't really figured out what all that means, and someone's walking us through that process. And so we're, we're down in the bottom left-hand corner. Or some of us have been doing this for so long that we can actually walk on water, and we're up there in the top right-hand corner of the graph. How many water walkers are there in here? No, just one of us. Two. We got two. Uh, funny side note, in the Air Force, I was a tech controller. That was my career field, and we were called the water walkers. I got to thinking about that this week. A little nostalgia. So uh, another way we can look at discipleship is this way, that there's these areas of discipleship, and and in each of these areas of discipleship, we have different levels of growth and different levels of maturity. And again, if you're brand new to Jesus, maybe, maybe your graph is a lot flatter than this one. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, and it's still super flat. I mean, that happens sometimes. But for some of us, and these aren't all the areas of discipleship, these are just some representative ones. But you know, like, what does it mean to worship? What does it mean to forgive? How about sharing your faith? How do you approach the scriptures? And what does generosity look like? These are all things that we should be talking about when it comes to discipleship. What about the last one on the end there? Like, are we talking about what does it mean to experience God? Here, now, today, in Missoula. Are we doing that? Because I think, I believe that this is one of the areas that Jesus' disciples got to experience. They got to see firsthand Jesus depend on God in order to do ministry. And so these are some of the conversations that we want to look at through the series. Do we know how to recognize when and where God is at work? Like, would we notice, or would it just pass on bias because we're focused on other things?
What about our relationship with God? What does that look like? And in particular, like, how does God define our relationship with him? How does he define it? Do we know when and how God is speaking to us? Is it God or is it the pizza? Uh, Do we see him at work? Or, I'm sorry, when we see him at work, do we know what it looks like to join him? Now, my picture for this, uh, Jacob, my oldest, he was, oh, a year and a half, and we were adding on to the house, and so I was, and I did most of the work, and so I'm always dressed up with a hard hat and the hammer and the belt and all that kind of stuff, hammering away, and, and probably always on the phone with somebody about more supplies and and probably calling the guy that is helping me learn what it means to build a house, going, why aren't you here? Uh, but um, so there's this picture of Jacob. It's actually on my desktop, on my computer. I ran across it this week. He's got a plastic hard hat on. Uh, he's got his head up to the phone. And uh, he's got his plastic hammer stuffed into his diaper. He wanted to partner with dad. He wanted to be like his dad. Now, when it came to building the house, who was doing the heavy lifting? Dad was. And I think in the redemptive process, who does the heavy lifting is our father in heaven. But man, we should enjoy that relationship. We should enjoy that experience of enjoying our God as he works. So these are the conversations we want to have through Lent, and my hope is that we will grow in our discipleship of what it means to experience God. And if this is going to be discipleship, it has to move beyond Sunday morning. Like, this is not, this is not all that discipleship entails. And so that's why we have care groups where we can have those conversations, where we could go further with the conversation. But let's look at what Jesus says. Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Now he's answering the question, why are you healing on the Sabbath? Why are you healing on the Sabbath? And, and the implication is, my father is always at work, and so why shouldn't I be at work? God is always at work. And I think that's no less true today. Like, it's not just something found in this ancient text that happened thousands of years ago. But I believe that God wants to do that same kind of work today. I even think of Jesus, I read this week uh, where Jesus said that... um, he wasn't able to do many miracles in Nazareth because of their lack of faith. And I'm hoping that we will be a people that will have no lack of faith so that whatever miracle God wants to do here, he'll be able to do. Well, let's look at some of the examples of God at work. In Genesis 12, we see these words. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, 
and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Who starts this relationship? It's God. Who comes with the plan? God. And who does the heavy lifting, the blessing and the cursing in this relationship? God. In fact, in my Bible, in my own study of this, I've circled all the I wills. Because I'm just enthralled by the fact that God wants to engage with us like this. Let's look at this. Five times. I will To the house I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who dishonor you. I, God is all in on this relationship. And by the way, you and I are blessed because Abraham obeyed. Because Abraham adjusted his life to the call of God. Because Abraham figured out what it meant to be in relationship with him and to go with him to see miracles done. We are that blessing. And then Genesis 26 says this, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and I will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now this is God's first recorded conversation with Isaac. First recorded conversation with Isaac. And again, God starts the conversation. He brings the plan. He does the heavy lifting in the relationship. And I love, I love that the ESV actually, um, they translate this correctly. They say, because Abraham obeyed my voice. It wasn't that Abraham obeyed the uh, charge, commandments, statutes, and laws. That's not very personal. He obeyed the voice of God. It's the same phrase when God said to Adam, you obeyed the voice of your wife. It's this intimate relationship that Abraham established or, or allowed to be cultivated between him and God. This intimate relationship. If I'm going to obey your voice, I have to, one, hear you, and two, I have to pay attention. My question is, are we doing that? Are we taking time to hear his voice? And then when we hear it, are we allowing his voice to change our path, the direction of our lives? We will talk more about this verse in, Gen- uh, in our footnotes podcast because there's a lot to uncover there. That's actually one of my favorite verses. And then we see the call of Jacob and the start of a relationship between God and Jacob. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, 
and on the top of it reached to the heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land in which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until you, I have done what I have promised. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. What if God wanted you to experience his awesomeness here today in Missoula? Would you be ready? Would you adjust your life to whatever he called you to? Would you order your life in such a way to be a part of his work? I read an article this week and watched a movie this week about the Iranian church. Apparently, the Iranian church is one of the fastest growing churches in the world. Even though it's one of the hardest places in the world to share the gospel. And what they do, these followers of Christ, they will will pray for a place of peace, and they'll pray to be able to meet a person of peace. And what they find oftentimes is that when they go and meet with that person, when they find that person of peace, that when they start the conversation that Jesus has already been there. He's already showed up either in their dreams or he has done something miraculous and they knew that Jesus was the Son of God. And so God is doing the heavy lifting as people come to Christ over and over and over again in a place where if you share your faith and many of the people, the the people actually leading the charge, it's it's predominantly women, it's 55% women. They're sharing their faith. And if they share their faith, they know what's possible. That they could be beaten, that they could be raped, that they'll probably die, and yet they do it anyway. And they're experiencing God. They're experiencing God in the midst of that. This week in our care groups, we'll be looking at Moses' story, and we'll, we'll be talking about our own experiences when we saw, when we felt like God was calling us to something, and, and what that was like, and what it meant for us to adjust our lives to what he was calling us to, and, and the kinds of questions that we wrestled through. So I'm excited for those conversations. I worked for a man named Walt for a number of years in the military, and he was a mentor to me. Um, I shared my faith with Walt countless times. Uh, we were 
we carpooled together, then we van pulled together, and we worked together countless hours. And, and I would share my faith with Walt, and, and Walt really wasn't interested. Rob, that's, that's good for you. Thanks for sharing. I'm happy for you, Rob. And uh, when I retired from the military, I looked back on 20 years, and I was in the Air Guard, which meant I was in, I was in one squadron for 20 years, and, and I was with the same people. They were like family. They're still, still like family. Um, figure, picture going to high school for, for four same years, but doing that five times because you're not that smart. Um, <laughs> I mean, but and all the other people are about as smart as you. So it's a, <laughs> I mean, you really get to know these people after 20 years. And I felt like I failed in, in my witness those 20 years. Well, Walt and I both retired, and sometime later, I, uh, I see his wife at the hospital, and I said, what are you doing here? She says, well, Walt's in the hospital. And so I went to visit Walt, and uh, in the course of our conversation, I said, Walt, can I pray for you? He says, absolutely. And that, his response was shocking to me because he was excited to talk about the Lord. And, and every conversation from that point forward, we talked about the Lord. And the conversation was so simple because God was working in his life, where before it felt so challenging, so laborsome. This was so, it was like a hot knife through butter. Like a, every conversation was about the Lord. And um, it makes me think of uh, John six forty four. Jesus says this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me, draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. When God started working in Walt's heart, all I had to do was figure out how to adjust my life to what Walt needed and what my part of discipleship looked like. And so we connected Walt to our care group, and that care group went on to continue to love on Walt and Kathy because uh, Christy and I moved down to Moscow, Idaho. And uh, Walt's health uh, deteriorated over the next several months after that, after we moved. And I performed the service for Walt when he passed. I performed the service in front of 40 people that I had served alongside of for 20 years. God was providing me an opportunity that I thought I'd lost. And so it was, it was an amazing journey to partner with God and my relationship with Walt. We had countless discipleship conversations, and it was such a privilege to do the final service for Walt. No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, Jesus said. And Jesus also said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. In other words, we know that Jesus stripped himself, right? Philippians, what, Philippians 2 says Jesus humbled himself. 
He came to show us what it meant to be dependent on the Father, to be dependent on that relationship, to see the Father at work and do what the Father was doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. In other words, the Son joins in. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Jesus lived a life that showed us how to be dependent on the Father. He didn't do ministry any old way he thought was best. Jesus tells us that over and over. What he did was he spent time with his Father. Man, I think I did the same thing last service. (laughs) Jesus spent time with his Father. Easy for me to say. Reading the scriptures and praying. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide. Jesus looked to see the Father at work and he had to adjust his life. Jesus joined the Father in what he was doing and the result of our discipleship needs to be the same. In other words, we don't come to Christ for what? Hell insurance? Is that what they call it? Fire insurance. We don't come to Christ for fire insurance. We come to Christ to live a new life. It's a life in community. It's a life that experiences God day after day after day after day. Sometimes I feel like the Christian world wants people to come to understand some truths that you could put on the shelf or you could pull off the shelf you know, like pick or choose. Are you going to hang on to these truths or not? Jesus was introducing people to the Father. He says, when you see me, you see the Father. We should experience God. That should be part of our everyday lives. And the implication is this, God is always at work. Are your eyes... And are your ears tuned for it? Are you looking for it? Are you listening for it? Are you hoping for it? Are you expecting it? Or is your world distracted? Like me, my Facebook feeds, my Twitter feeds, countless times a day. Are we looking to see and hear and understand that God is at work around you? And our call to action is this. Follow Jesus, changed by Jesus, and on mission with Jesus. And for each of us, this may look a little differently. How do you live this out? Maybe you don't know what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. Guess what? Everybody starts there. We all start out 90-pound weaklings when we go to the gym, right? We all need to be discipled in what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. If, if that's something that you are just being introduced to or you've got questions about, we'd love to journey with you on that. Logan and I love to have those conversations with you. Maybe you pray the prayer, asking Jesus to save you, but you don't know what it means to just do life with him and, 
and to really follow him and, 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 and then to be changed by him and to actually be on mission with him. And again, this is a discipleship issue. I'm grateful that you prayed the prayer. But we want to journey with you and do, do more. That's why we have our care groups where we can have these conversations. We have so many mature believers that could journey with folks to figure this out. Logan and I will journey with you. And maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for some time, but there's still some things that you want him to change about you. Like there's still conversations I have with Jesus about things I want to be different about myself, even as your pastor. Maybe your desires are out of control. Maybe you've tried serving wealth and God at the same time and you lost your way because Jesus says you can't do that. Maybe your relationships are a mess. Or maybe your heart is just broken. Again, we want to journey with you in that. Let's start the conversation. Maybe, maybe you just need to get on mission with Jesus. Maybe your life has been defined by a lot of things, but other than the mission of Jesus itself. I've been there. I've sat in a similar seat, and I recognized the call of discipleship. And I said, Lord, I don't know what it looks like to disciple someone, but I want to figure it out. Will you change me? Will you teach me? Apparently he did. Something happened. A lot of things happened. A lot of crazy good things happened. I'm excited to be here with you guys. And so in a moment, we're going to hand out communion. And if you're new with us, I want you to know that we have an open table. If you are here to celebrate Christ as Lord, please know that you can partake with us. We ask that you hold the elements until we take them all together. While the elements are being passed out, I ask you to consider where you at Let's go back to the last slides. When it comes to following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, or being on mission with Jesus, what's your next step? What do you sense God calling you to? Have that conversation with the Lord while we're handing out the elements. Each week we come back to the table to remind ourselves of what Christ was willing to pay to let us know how much God loves us. And I think in terms of the call of Christ to follow him, to be changed by him, to be on mission with him, it's not just Christ's death that's significant, but it's his resurrection we're told that the power of resurrection lives within us. Gives us the ability to live for Christ. That is such good news. Because I have felt so lost. Until I come back to the table. What a good God we have. So grateful that not only does he call us to it, but he gives us the power to do it. The Lord Jesus in the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given it, 
give him thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Lord. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember our risen Savior. Lord, I love you. Thank you for the, the life you've called me to. Thank you for your redemptive work. Thank you for this body of believers, Lord. It's good to celebrate you as God and as King. Lord, we want to see your work established here in Missoula. to submit ourselves to you in that. We love you. Lord, we're going to worship you through one more song. We're excited to do so in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side. We lost our slides. Oh. I was looking for something else. That is a very blank screen. Screen is... So... (laughs) Here we see the senior pastor derailed by a blank screen.